Welcome to the SJBC Sunday Morning Sermon. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by our senior pastor, Dr. Richard Carver. For more podcasts, videos, and information on our church, please visit mysjbc.org. Beautiful job, beautiful job. We're in Colossians chapter 3 this morning, page 955 there in your pew Bible. Colossians chapter 3 at verse 18. Think about the Christian home. When a person comes to faith in, in Jesus Christ, and it's an authentic conversion experience where they authentically trust Him as Savior and Lord, that person changes. Sometimes the changes are dramatic and they happen suddenly. Sometimes those changes happen slowly over time. But the person does change. It's not a race, but they do change. When a lost parent or a lost child authentically places their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it also changes the home. Now sometimes the home changes dramatically, a sudden change, and sometimes the home changes gradually over time, and it's not a race. But that home does change to reflect the nature of Jesus Christ. In today's passage, Paul writes to family members, people just like us, people who live with other people. And he gives godly counsel to people who live with other people, particularly husbands and wives, children and household servants, which we'll look at next week. Now it's clear that the people Paul was writing to had had an authentic conversion experience. Their profession of faith in Jesus Christ was the real deal. It wasn't pretend or fake. You know, the scariest verse to me in the Bible is, and I've shared with you numerous, numerous times, it's Matthew 7, 21 where it says, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. There's people who pretend to be Christians. They never have an authentic conversion experience. They spend their whole life investing in church, giving to church, serving to church. But when they go to stand before God, God's going to say, I didn't know you. Because your salvation experience was pretend. It wasn't real. I hope you're not one of those people. That to me is the scariest verse in the whole Bible. To live your whole life thinking that that you're a Christian because you went to church or because your grandparents raised you in a Christian home or because you read the Bible or serve and then you breathe your last breath and spend eternity in hell. That's just an awful, awful prospect. But the people that Paul's writing to are real deals. They have made a genuine profession of faith in Jesus Christ just like many of you have. And and it's it's clear that, that... The Apostle Paul is appealing to these authentic Christians, teaching them and helping them understand that their homes and lives ought to be different now that they're believers. And he gives counsel on how that home ought to be changing as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he appeals to them to live to please Jesus. Now, there's something radically wrong with our homes today. Homes are broken. They're they're coming apart. They're falling apart. United States... There are more broken homes uh, today than ever in our history. Single-parent families are on the increase. The typical child between 6 years and 16 years of age spends over 24 hours a week watching television. And you better believe that the, the Hollywood, our merchants, the social progressives know that about your children. And so they try to influence, and your grandchildren, they try to influence them every way that they can because they know that they're watching television. They know that they're spending that much time apart from parental instruction, receiving instruction from uh, television and videos and such. 
in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus had been teaching throughout Galilee. And one of the objects and subjects that he touched on while he was teaching throughout Galilee was the home. And he spoke about the relationship of a husband and wife. And when he finished teaching in Galilee, he left Galilee, crossed over uh, through Judea to the other side of the Jordan River, and great crowds continued to follow and gather around him there. Some people he healed, some people he just preached to. One day a Pharisee was badgering Jesus, asking him persistently about if it was legal for a man to divorce his wife for any reason. Listen to the Lord's response and to the priority that the Lord places upon the home in this teaching from Matthew's Gospel. Jesus said to this Pharisee, Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, the Creator said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, when God is joined together, let no one separate. Jesus had a high opinion of the home and of marriage. This month you've read and watched on the news that Californians have felt hundreds of aftershocks after those two major earthquakes that happened within 34 hours of one another. I read an article this week that seismologists are predicting that by the time this year closes out, that because of those two big earthquakes that California is expected to experience over 30,000 tremors and aftershock quakes this year. That's an enormous amount. 30,000 aftershocks from those two earthquakes this year. The first institution that God founded upon this earth was the, was the home. And it's true that so as goes the home, so goes the society. And just like the increase that we're seeing in earthquakes according to, to 2 Timothy, that's also prophetically pointing to the breakdown of the home that is a sign that end times is approaching. And we can see just as, just as earthquakes points to the end time is approaching, that the collapse of the home is also pointing to the end time that is nearly uh, upon us. One of the greatest things that we can do as Christ followers is to help build godly Christian homes. And so Paul writes to a Christian family members to help us understand what makes a strong, uh, godly home. So join me in Colossians as we learn together about what Paul has to say about Christian homes. Paul writes in verse 18, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. If you notice when Paul launches off into addressing the home, and he's been talking to us about taking off our grave clothes in, the, in the, pre, the verses leading up to this, and the virtues that we ought to adopt and embrace as Christian people. He now steps into the home and helps us understand that, that in the home and in our personal lives, that it also should reflect the virtue of being a Christian. He begins by teaching about love and submission. That love and submission should dominate the Christian home. Now, he did not address the wives first because they were in the most need, nor did he address wives first because they were the ones most out of alignment. He just began with wives because, in truth, the gospel had radically changed the position of women in the Roman world and in ours today. Women were elevated through the gospel, and the gospel gives women a freedom that they did not possess prior to Jesus Christ. It also gave 
women a stature and a position that some women were unable uh, to handle. And so Paul is writing to give counsel to these godly women. He gave them instructions here that were very specific. They're also the same instructions that we find in Ephesians and in 1 Peter. Now, when you think about when Paul says submission, and when you think about submission, submission is not slavery. He's not putting the women in slavery. Nor is submission subjugation. It's not putting them in a lower place. The word submission here in the original language is actually a military term. So when Paul says, wives come under submission to your husband, he simply is saying, come under rank to your husband. The fact that that one soldier is a private and another is a colonel in the army does not mean that one soldier is better than the other. It only means that they have different ranks. And Paul is doing the same thing by using a military word here that means to arrange under rank when he uses this word submission. He's giving us the same idea. Now we know from Scripture that God does all things decently and that God does all things in order. If God did not have a chain of command, then society uh, would just move into chaos. The fact that the woman is to submit to her husband does not suggest that the, the man is better than the woman. That's not what Paul's trying to say. Matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 3, he lets us know that they're pretty much equal. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul wrote to the believers in Galatia that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For all are one in Christ Jesus. Now, it's a scriptural fact that the man is not better than his wife. So we should never think that. In fact, in Christ they're equal. It only means that the man, as the male person in the relationship, has the responsibility of headship and leadership in the home. There has to be a leader. There has to be someone taking lead. Now, headship is not dictatorship. Neither is headship lordship. Headship is actually loving leadership. It's the fulfillment of Ephesians 5.21 that a husband carries out in the home. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul wrote to the Ephesian believers, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now he's speaking in the context of the church, but we can also translate this to the home, that the husband and the wife are both to submit to one another because you have to work together. In fact, both the husband and the wife must be submitted to the Lord and to each other. I submit to Stephanie. Stephanie submits to me. Not that she is better than me or I'm better than her, but it's how you work together. It's the recipe for a happy home. It's a mutual respect under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, true spiritual submission is the secret of growth and fulfillment in the Christian home. When a Christian woman is submitted to the Lord and to her husband, she experiences a release and a fulfillment that she can have in no other way. But she is not a slave and she is not subjugated. She just submits to the husband's leadership, loving leadership. And the husband should be leading in love. He's not a slave driver. He's just a leader. You have colonels and privates in the army and you have a husband and a wife in the home. And this mutual love and submission creates an atmosphere 
of growth in the home. And that love and submission enables both the husband and the wife to become all that God wants them to be in the home, which also translates into society and into the church. Now, the fact that the Christian wife is in the Lord because she also has faith in Jesus Christ is not a reason for selfish independence, which can happen. Just the opposite is true. The wife's salvation makes it important that she obey the word of God and submit to her husband. And yes, it's true that in Jesus Christ there is no male, there is no female. But it's also true that joyful submission is evidence that the wife belongs to Jesus Christ. However, the husband also has the scriptural mandated responsibility to love his wife in this passage. The word for love used in this passage is the word agape. And that should be a familiar word to you. Agape is the kind of love that Jesus Christ extends to lost people. While we were his enemy, Christ loved us and died for us. The word for love that, that Paul uses is the sacrificing, serving kind of love that Christ shares with his church. Now, our marriage may begin with a normal, human, romantic, physical attraction kind of love. But that marriage must grow deeper into the spiritual agape love, the sacrificing, serving kind of love that can come only from God. Now, Scripture's clear that the husband must love his wife. It's a requirement, men, that we love our wives as Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church by giving his all for the church. He sacrificed everything. Which, husbands, it speaks to us that we should be giving our all to our wives, sacrificing even to the point of pain for our wives, for her pleasure and her happiness. And in truth, the measure of a man's love for his wife is not seen in the gifts that we give or in the words that we give. A husband's measure of love for his wife is seen in the acts of sacrifice and acts of concern and service that we give for our wife to ensure her happiness and welfare. And men, our wives know this. They watch the level of sacrifice that we give to them. They watch and observe the level of concern that we extend to them, and they know that we should be loving them the way Christ loved the church. And they know whether we're sacrificing or not. They know whether we're concerned for their welfare or not. Now, your wife may not tell you, but she's observing and she knows. And since she knows... And now you know, then we need to perhaps be better husbands. Paul added a special word of warning for the husbands in this passage. He says that in the last part of this passage, that husbands must be careful not to hold grudges against their wives, if I'm paraphrasing. Because holding a grudge is a sin. It's a sin to harbor ill will because of something that our wife has done or has not done. It doesn't matter. It's a sin to harbor a grudge. That sin, that grudge, will become a root of bitterness in our homes and can poison the marriage. And it's a poison that can give Satan a foothold in our homes. At least, that's how I understand Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Now, we would only receive this counsel that we can fall short of the grace of God if we could fall short of God's grace. And we read this passage and we can understand from this passage what causes us to fall short of God's grace and its bitterness. Ill will 
causes us to fall short of God's grace. He says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows, grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So bitterness in our heart, bitterness in our home leads to personal defilement, which in result with other people being defiled, it causes trouble all because we've allowed a bitter root to grow and to sprout. So this passage in Hebrews further explains to us that, that this word of warning when Paul says, Husbands, don't harbor ill will with your wife. It's a sin. Now the Christian husband and wife, they've got to be open and honest with each other. They can't hide their feelings or lie to one another because that opens up the door for bitterness. Speaking the truth in love is a good way to solve family struggles, just like it is in a church. To not let the sun go down on our anger is a wise policy to follow if you want to have a happy home. Now, a husband who truly loves his wife, Paul tells us here, he will not behave harshly or throw his weight around in the home. Remember, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. And love doesn't hold grudges. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. In truth, it's not difficult for a wife to submit to her husband who loves her. It's not difficult at all. She knows that he seeks the very best for her in all that he does. She knows that he would never do anything to harm her. The husband's love for his wife is seen in his sacrifice for her. And the wife's love for her husband is seen in her submission to him, as Paul explains it here. Where there are sacrifice and submission in the home, and it's in Christian love, then an atmosphere of love will pervade in that home, and that home will be happy. Now, a happy marriage and a happy home doesn't happen automatically. That's why Paul writes this. Paul would have only given this instruction to these Colossian believers if there weren't some Colossian believers who did not live in happy homes, who did not live in homes that exemplified Jesus Christ. And that's why he wrote what he did. Marital happiness is something that has to be cultivated. And Paul is teaching us here how to cultivate that marriage and that happiness in the home. And he says we cultivate it by the wife submitting to the husband and the husband sacrificially loving his wife. And as we walk in submission uh, with Christ in submission to Him, we'll have no problem submitting to one another. We'll have no problem seeking to serve one another because we're submitting to Christ first and then to one another. But where there's selfishness, where there's bitterness, there will be conflict, there will be division. And if you've got conflict in your home today, or if you have division in your home today, we've got to ask the biblical question, wife, are you submitting? And husband, are you sacrificially loving? Because the submission of the wife and the sacrificial love of the husband will remove the conflict. It'll remove the division. And these are serious things for us to think about. If there's bitterness in the heart, there's eventually going to be trouble in the home. Our ability to love and to submit comes from the Lord. In the previous verses, 
in, in Colossians verses 5 through 14, if we're wearing the virtues that, that Paul described, that followers of the Lord Jesus Christ should be demonstrating, and if our hearts are filled with the peace of Christ and the word of Christ as he instructed us in these previous verses, then we'll contribute to the joy and the harmony in our home. If we live to please Christ first, others second, ourselves last, then we'll build strong marriages and spiritual homes. And Paul is writing this to Colossian believers, but it's still very relevant today because our homes are collapsing, marriages are not happy. And so he writes this so that we can build strong marriages and have happy homes and have spiritual homes where both the husband and the wife are satisfied, are loved, and feel loved and appreciated. It's good wisdom for us. We're going to sing a hymn invitation, and as Jacqueline, our instrumentalists, come today, if you find that your home is in turmoil, the place to begin is with Paul's assumption that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Paul is writing the book of Colossians, this letter to the Colossian believers, under the assumption that he's writing to Christian people. That means that that's the first thought we have to ask. Is do you know Christ authentically as your Lord and Savior? Have you made a real profession of faith? If you have, and your home's in turmoil, then you need to ask the question. Are you submitting? And are you sacrificially loving? Let's begin together as we sing.